the choice in your life to follow the kingdom, to make Jesus Lord of your life, there is now, um, at that point, a change that takes place on the inside. But on the outside, how many of you know that there's no major transition on the outside? You walk away from the altar, you look the same, you think the same. Uh, people don't look at you and say, oh my gosh, you're a completely different person. Now, sometimes we see this just because your countenance will change and you'll be more positive about things or, uh, again, you're having a different way of thinking, so now you're starting to react to things differently. Um, But there's not this huge transition where people are saying, who are you? Because before you look like this and now you don't. You still look the same on the outside. And the same goes for our behavior. And we've said this, that at any point in our lifestyle as a believer, in this Christian lifestyle, we always run the risk of uh, falling back or thinking again the way that our sinful nature did. Um, When you are saved, when you are born again, your flesh does not disappear. Your, Your sinful desires and your sinful ways do not disappear. Understand this, that... Um, Y'all may have heard the uh, phrase, uh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I need you to take that that, uh, phrase, that mentality, and throw it. You are no longer a sinner saved by grace. You are now a believer. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, For uh, we are now a new creature. New creature creature in Christ. Now this word new, there's two different ways that I can uh, do something different with my vehicle. I can take my vehicle to the car wash, wash it up real good, clean up the tires, clean up the rims, vacuum out the inside, uh, freshen up the inside, get a new paint job. There's all kinds of new things that I could do. But when it's all said and done, It's not a new vehicle. This word new denotes new as in something that has never existed before. So we need to start taking on this mentality. Because we can get stuck in that sinner saved by grace, and then we try to justify our actions when we fall back into a sinful nature. We try to justify our thinking when uh, sickness tries to come on us and we try to say, well, you know, God's just doing the best with me that he can. You know, I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, so, you know, because I'm still messing up. Now, I can bark like a dog, but that doesn't make me a dog. And you can sin, but that doesn't make you a sinner. I mean, some of you may have even heard, well, that's what sinners do. Sinners sin, so if you sin, you're, you're a sinner. Now, we're all capable of falling back into that mentality and and back into that lifestyle, but there's justification through Christ. We don't have to justify it by saying that we are a sinner because we still have some things that are lingering around. We're all growing in this thing. We're all maturing in this thing. And as you continue uh, to to grow in this, as you continue to change your mindset and uh, start to become aware of your mentality in Christ... Um, you're going to find yourself less and less uh, making stupid choices and making decisions uh, based upon your sinful nature or reacting to things that happen to you in life as someone in the world would. Okay? So that is why this mentality is so important. But I, wanna, I want us to look at something. I'm just kind of uh, wanting to uh, create a, a broader picture, I guess if you could say, of what this whole mind renewal thing is all about. I've got a specific topic that we're going to talk about this evening, but I just kind of wanted to, felt uh, needed, felt that we needed an intro with this, kind of open up with this. So if you could ro- uh, turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And um, we are going to start with verse 16. If you have a pen and paper, I want you to write this statement down. Behavior is determined by your nature. Your behavior is determined by your nature. Say it one more time. Your behavior is determined by your nature. There are certain ways, certain things that you can expect, certain ways that you can expect someone to live or something to act 
based upon the nature of it. I use a, a vehicle again. Um, I'm not going to expect my truck to give the nature of my my wife's little SUV. That SUV out there is a V6. Doesn't have anywhere near the horsepower that my truck can put out. So I don't expect my truck to operate at 25 miles to the gallon. My tires are bigger. It's heavier. Way more horsepower. It's V8. So it's going to produce at the probably around 12 to 14 miles of the gallon that it's producing at right now. Uh, maybe even less. I don't know. Might even be looking at around 10. Um, but, I, but that's the nature of that vehicle. I don't expect it to. There's certain ways that uh, you, there's certain things that you just kind of expect out of a teenager versus an adult because they're in the nature of a teenager versus the nature of an adult. Very simple. Uh, I don't expect a dog to act the way a cat does. That's not the nature of a dog and vice versa. That's not the nature of the cat. So our behavior is determined by our nature. Now, here's the thing. Your nature is now different. When you come into the kingdom, you have a new nature. We just said in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that you're a new creature. There's a different nature within you now. But the behavior does not change until we give ourselves to it. Now, I'm going to talk about some stuff that in America uh, we don't really like to talk about, and that's, and that's slavery or subjection. But we're going to see here in this passage that, that Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, he uses a term that we look down upon. But we need to change that mentality also. We need to look at this term slavery differently because it's what we're giving yourself to. It's what you're becoming in subjection to. And what you give yourself in subjection to, that is what you behave to. For us parents, if we see that our teenagers are misbehaving, that means that they're not operating in subjection to you. They're misbehaving your rules, so they are not no longer in subjection to you. This is what slavery is. Now let's look at this in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Notice here that he puts, he shows that you can be in obedience to two different things. See, a lot of times we look at if we're sinning or if we're disobeying God's word that we're doing our own thing. That is false. That is not a true statement. When you sin, you are actually putting yourself into subjection to Satan. So it's no longer disobedience to God's word. It has now become obedience to the enemy, obedience to a different ruler, obedience to different kingdom, a different way of living, a, a different set of rules. So we got to get this independent mindset of, well, I want to do my own thing. You're not doing your own thing because there's someone that has got you in slavery to him. There's someone that has you in subjection to him. I think a lot of people would quit sinning if they found out that they're really only, only giving in to someone else. Because we, we, we sin or we disobey God's word because we don't like the idea of being in subjection to God or God controlling our life or God coming up with these, all these rules that we have to follow and things that we have to do. So I want, I'm going to do my own thing. Well, that's just not a true statement. You're not doing your own thing. Amen. You're giving yourself over to a different ruler of a different kingdom. So there's that word slavery. You're giving yourself in subjection to that. <clears throat> a slave, like I said, is simply uh, someone who is subject. You, you are subject to whom you give obedience to. So you're giving obedience. We're, we're not doing this thing on our own. So we have to get the new nature. Well, here's the process. Here's the process that we're in. 
We have the new nature living inside of us. But why do we have so many Christians? People that are throwing on the label of Christian. Why do we have so many believers that just don't look like it? And I made this statement, I think, on Sunday that it's amazing to find out how many, uh, how many unbelievers know what a Christian should look like. Isn't that, isn't that funny? Never step foot in a church, have no desire to go to church, don't have any desire for God, may not even say that there's a God, but yet they could pick you out and say, oh, you're a, Christ, you're a Christian, or this is how a Christian should act. Or if you call yourself a Christian and don't act that way, they'll be the first ones to say, hey, I thought you were a Christian. I thought Christians don't do that. Well, that's amazing you know so much about me and my people because you've never been to church. But that is how this lifestyle is. That even people who aren't Christians or even people who care nothing about Christians or being a Christian or Christ or God can pick you out and say, there's something different here. You're calling yourself a Christian, but you're not acting like a Christian. And this is widespread in the church. And what we have is just a bunch of people who have not renewed their minds. The same thing with uh, sickness. Same thing with uh, poverty or these different kind of mindsets that try to come against the same way with fear and anxiety. Your response to these things will change based upon you changing your mind. So the process we're in is getting the new nature inside of us, renewing our minds to that new nature, and then getting it out. Notice again, we are, it's going from the inside out. It's going from the inside out, not the outside in. That's what religion wants. Religion wants to take people that just gave their life to Christ and say, okay, now you can't do this anymore. You can't do this anymore. Uh, You've got to wear this. You've got to look like this. You've got to talk like this. You can't talk like this anymore. You can't talk to these people, but you can talk to these people. That's religion. That's a set of rules, and that's being controlled from the outside. Let's look at this in Romans chapter, um, or is it verse 18, 6 verse 18. 6 verse 18 finishes my thought that I was saying earlier. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So that was finishing my thought earlier on slavery. That now we've been given over to slavery of righteousness or living in subjection to righteousness. But look at this over here in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 in verse... um, Is it 16? Is that what I gave you? That's what I thought it was. Let's look at verse uh, 6. Yep, verse 6. We're identifying this new life that we're to live based upon mind renewal. We're working from the inside out. Everyone say, I'm working from the inside out. All right, here, verse 6. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. In the newness of the Spirit, inside, not the oldness of the letter, outside. Now, here's what Paul is not doing. And Jesus did the same thing when he started bringing up the law. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all the religious people got, you know, got all taken up by this because they thought that he was doing away with the Old Testament, doing away with Moses and the prophets and, and all the instruction that was given by them. And he's not saying, I'm not getting rid of these laws, I'm bringing them to a new standard. Because when God came into the earth and gave Moses Ten Commandments and then gave all these different commands of you've got to kill this and kill this and offer this up and sacrifice this and you've got to do this a hundred times and do this a thousand times and you've got to worship this. I mean, there's a long list. You ever go through the book of Leviticus, you'll get lost real quick. You'll get lost real quick. And this is what man had to live by on a daily basis just to serve their God. And here's what God never intended. God did not intend people to just live according to a bunch of do's and don'ts and with no heart behind it. And so what happened was we got all these religious people 
Jesus called them whitewashed tombs because on the outside, they looked like they had it all together. On the outside, they're following the book of the law to the T. They're eating at the right time of day on the right days. They're going to worship God on the right days. They're not working on the right days. They're standing out on the corners praising and, and praying to God real loud so everyone can hear. On the, on the outside, man, you can't, you can't put them down. But the problem was that they had no standard of living on the inside. And so that's what this verse is saying. And they're not saying, do away with the law. You no longer have to follow the law. Do your own thing just as long as you love God. I love God. You love God. You do what you want to do. I do what I want to do. That's not what they're saying. It's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, continue to follow the law, but do it from your heart. He's saying here, we should serve in the newness of spirit. That means that you serve God based upon the new life that is within you, not just because I'm telling you to. Not in the oldness of the letter, the letter being the law. So that's where the redemption from the law came from is we're now living this thing from the inside out, not from the outside in. We're not walking around telling people that this is who we serve and this is how we live, but really don't, don't give a care for God on the inside. Don't really love God and don't really, and, and we're going home and we're doing our own things at home. No one's looking. No one can see what's going on. They don't know what's going on in our minds. They don't know what's going on in our spirits. Okay? The renewed life that is taking place on the inside has to come to the outside. You will do nothing effective and productive for the kingdom of God in this earth if you don't allow the kingdom to come from within you out. You won't do anything. And so this is why mind renewal is so important. This is why this mind renewal is so important because our nature on the inside has been renewed. But I'm telling you, folks, it's not going to be good enough to go to heaven and say, I said the prayer. He's going to look at you and say, what did you do with what I gave you? You weren't faithful in the little, so I could never give you the much. It's going to be a scary thing one day when we have to face that because we were supposed to do way more than what we thought we were here to do. And this is why mind renewal is so important. Amen? All right, so let's get into tonight's message. I just want to, I want to continue to paint the picture. And as the Holy Spirit shows me different things, he showed me that earlier this week. And I started to study it out today and um, saw some things that I just felt we needed to get into before I started going into more of um, our lesson here. So today I'm going to talk about the mind renewal process and how it actually works, how it takes place. The last time we spoke on mind renewal specifically, last week I had to address some things versus, uh, or on the, in regards to healing. And I had to address some things, what the Bible says about, um, about our bodies and the dominion and the authority that we have over our own bodies and to be able to uh, position ourselves to understand that God loves us, God is a good king, God cares for us, and healing is for today, healing is for our bodies, and there is no reason why we shouldn't be operating in this. Okay, I had to address that last week, and that's part of mind renewal, and we addressed uh, several mindsets and several mentalities that uh, you know, may have been ingrained in us for years. But we all uh, can be teachable, we all can take correction, and we all desire to know what the Bible says about it. That's all I want to know. When it's all said and done, I don't want to go to heaven and say, well, I believed it this way because that's how Grandma said it. Or I, I, I saw it this way because that's the way my old pastor said it. You can't go to heaven and say, I learned it this way from Pastor Mark. It's not going to work. I can't beat your scapegoat. I'm sorry. We've got to be people that are, are studiers and, and true learners of the word and desire to get in this thing and learn it for ourselves. Amen? Amen? So the first thing I want to start off with is this statement. Mind renewal is not an event, but a process. Mind renewal is not an event, but a process. I have said several times, that the church has made an event out of things 
that should be a lifestyle. Now, an event, you can put it down to the day, to the time, the place, the people that were around you. I mean, we can, most of us could probably say, I know when I got saved. I remember the day that I went down. It was on such and such day. Um, if you were old enough to remember, if not, you know, I know my mom wrote it down. She's got, probably got it somewhere. The church I was at, uh, who led me to the Lord, uh, what day it was. It was the morning service. I mean, we can, we can put these things down to the T. But you will not be able to go in your life and say, yep, that was the day I, removed, I renewed my mind. Because it's a process. It's a lifestyle. We cannot make this mind renewal thing an event and say, yep, that was it. It doesn't work that way. We need to be daily working out this mind renewal process. We need to daily be grabbing a hold of the scripture and trying to understand it and figure out what part of my thinking, what part of my mentality is going to be different today because of what I saw in the Word. Okay? So my renewal is not an event, but a process. The first, the first step in my renewal is hearing the Word. Hearing the Word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans 10, 17. I'll open up with this. It says, So faith comes by hearing... And hearing by the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing is the first step. If I can't get you to hear it, we can't go anywhere else. This is why church is so important. This is why it's important for you to be here. Because this is where you're hearing the gospel. Hearing the word of God being preached. Now obviously we can study it out for ourselves. Um, We can read it. But we need to be in a position where we're hearing the word. I'm here for a reason. We all need a pastor for a reason. In Vision Partnership on Sunday, I'll be touching just a little bit on the role of the pastor and why it's so important to be hooked up with the local body church and to uh, find your position in the church and be here hearing the word. We'll go through this, okay? But hearing is the first step. So let's go over to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be in here for just a little bit. Matthew chapter 13. Uh, For those of you that don't know, this is the passage that is known as the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. Jesus spoke in parables. um, And he did this not to confuse people. He did this not to trick people. He did this to find out who truly wanted to know the word. That's why he did this. And you'll find out halfway through Matthew chapter 13 that his disciples come to us. They quickly identify themselves as being different than the multitude because they make a statement that says that where they said, why do you speak to them in parables? They quickly identify that there's a them and an us. There's a them and in us. Jesus spoke in parables because he wanted to see who was going to pay the price to truly learn the word. There's a price. There's a sacrifice. There's a sacrifice to be paid. His disciples paid this sacrifice. His disciples left everything they had. Every job they had. They left their families. They left their wives. And followed Jesus for three years. I mean, some of them came right off of the occupation. I mean, it says some of them were out fishing. That's what they did for an occupation and came right off of it and started following Jesus. Matthew, a tax collector, came right off and started following Jesus. They all paid a price. And you can even get closer that there was a Peter, James, and John that were even closer to Jesus than the other 12. In fact, there's stages. I mean, you got the multitudes. Then he had other disciples besides just the 12 that he picked. There's one time where he sent out 70 to go do some work. And then we break it down to 12, and then we break it down to 3. Why? These people were making sacrifices to be closer to Jesus and to get more. When you value something, that's when you get the most out of it. When you value the word of God, that's when you'll get the most out of it. So these are people that place the value on being around Jesus, place the value on hearing the words that Jesus spoke, place the value on understanding what Jesus spoke, 
And so that's why he was able to reveal to them what he did not reveal to the multitudes. And we'll see this. I'm going to go ahead and start with the beginning of the chapter. I'm going to go ahead and start with the beginning here. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat. About, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. The birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. They immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others sprang up, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, sixty and thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Look at this in verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. It's a mystery. That's an odd word to use, a mystery. Why? Because when you really want to know something, you'll go seek it out. You know, there's one part of Jesus' ministry where he said that he would not cast his pearls before swine. You've got to be careful sometimes who we share the gospel with. Are they really receiving it? Because there's, there's two types of ways to ask a question. You can ask a question to really, really wanting to know something with a true desire to learn. Or you can be like the Pharisees and Sadducees where you're only just trying to trick someone and trying to step up someone. Trying to prove them wrong. I mean, Miss Shannon here, she works at the storage unit across the street and say there's another competitor in town. And so I can ask her questions about her storage unit only to try to come back and say, well, guess what? I know one that's better. I don't really care to know what her prices are and what sizes she has and what's available. I'm just trying to prove to her that there's somebody else better in town. But I can come in like the day that I came in, truly wanted to know, what sizes do you got? Do you got something that's going to be big enough to hold these walls that we have? Uh, what are your prices? Are they in our price range? The location's great. I already know that. There's, I, can, I can go to her two different ways. And so uh, Jesus said, I don't cast my pearls before swine. There are some people that don't really care to know anything about what you're living. Go ahead and know that. There's some people, they'll come and they may ask you stuff, but you've got to know their heart. You've got to know their motive. But there's others, and we'll be, you've got to be discerning on this, and the Holy Spirit will show you, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Because sometimes you try to, you share too much, and you know we've probably done that before, where you, you just you just start sharing, you know, because we're just so excited. If somebody wants to know about the Word of God, man, they they know that I'm a Christian. They really want to hear me out on this thing. No, the whole time they had a, a, a mentality. I mean, I just talked to Jimmy about someone earlier this week um, in his life that I guess was asking questions, but didn't care to know anything about what he really believed. He had a different mentality, and so he was trying to find out what, what Jimmy believed so he could come back and say, well, guess what? None of that's true. Let me tell you what's really true. But Jimmy, being led of God, knew the difference and probably didn't share too much after that. Because once you know someone's motive, you know, what, what's the point of talking to you about it? I'm just casting my pearls before swine. Okay? It's a mystery. So Jesus said to his disciples, it has been given to you to know the mysteries. Why? Because they had sacrificed. For whoever has to him, more will be given. Well, that's a hard statement to make. In America, we want to take away from those who have. And then look at the rest of it. And he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Well, this just seems backward, doesn't it? So... Whoever has, he'll get more. And whoever doesn't have, he'll get whatever he does have taken away. I mean, you're just thinking, wow, Jesus, you're messed up. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. This is why. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. 
And then in the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, hearing you will hear, will not understand, seeing you will see, and not perceive, and he goes on. So we're seeing here that Jesus is speaking to them in parables for a specific reason. But he turns around and he explains the parable that he just gave to his disciples. Because they had ears to hear. They had eyes to see. And we're going to find out more of what, what are these ears and eyes that he's speaking of. He's not just talking about our literal eyes and ears. You seeing me and you hearing me talk right now is not enough. When I say hear the word, we're going to find out what that really means to hear the word. Because it's more than just sitting in this seat and listening to what I'm saying. Because James talks about a man that hears and then quickly forgets. We need to be quick to remember and quick to know, and quick to understand. So the first step here is hearing the word. The first step here. Uh, verse 19. Just kind of outline some stuff here. Uh, this is, verse 18 is where he begins to explain the parable. In verse 19, when anyone hears the word. Okay, that was the first person. Verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony ground, this is he who hears the word. Verse 22. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. Verse 23. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears. Notice here that every single person that received the ground or received the seed heard the word. But we have a percentage problem. 25% of the people that heard the word bore fruit. That's not a good rate. One out of four. Some fell by the wayside. Some fell in, but it didn't fall in uh, good soil. Some fell in and th- thorns choked it out. And then some fell in and it was on good soil. And it reaped a harvest of a hundred, sixty, and thirty. So apparently it doesn't stop at hearing. But hearing is the first step. Because I can't go any further into the other two points that I have if we don't first make a value and make a point to hear the word. Hearing the word is where it begins. But let's look further. Well, first let me do this. Let me go here. Because... I want to identify some, some things that can keep you from hearing the word. And the Bible identifies uh, two specific instances where you can actually stop hearing the word. Okay? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. It's a bad position to be in when we no longer uh, hear the word. And what I mean is not just stop coming to church. In fact, some of the biggest problem is when you continue to come to church, but you're not really hearing the word. That actually creates a bigger problem. I would actually wish, to be honest with you as a pastor, that people who get into this position that we're about to see would just go ahead and stop coming to church. Jesus talked about a church in the book of Revelations that was lukewarm. That was neither hot nor cold. So you're coming to church. You're still wearing the label of Christian. Still going out and talking the Bible. But we've, come, we've gone over into a very dangerous, very dangerous position. And this is it. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Concerning him we have much to say. And it is hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. This phrase, dull of hearing, simply means familiar. I'm telling you, one of the most dangerous positions you can get in, in your growth, spiritually, is where you think you've heard it all. That's a bad place. That's a bad position. I'm going to tell you right now. We get there. Mm. That's called unteachable. That's called uh, you have nothing for me. When you say that uh, you've become familiar with someone, familiarity literally means this. 
you have no benefit to me and you bore me. That's familiarity. I know, we put it that way, it's like, man, I don't want to get that way. We have to come to church teachable. We have to come to church. I mean, unless I'm completely off doctrinally, and there are people around me that are uh, account- that I'm accountable to and that keep me accountable in that arena, but unless I'm completely off, there's no reason for anybody. I mean, it's the same with me. Don't think that I'm at a position either. He's senior pastor now. He doesn't have to hear from anybody. No, I'm hearing more than a lot of people. The, for me to run at the pace that I run at, I have to hear more than I used to. Which means I'm listening to stuff. I'm in the Word more. I mean, I mean, I, I, I have to keep, I have to stay more protected by the Word, if you understand what I'm saying. Because I run a risk of getting off or getting into a position of where the Word bores me. And now I feel like what I'm, look, if I don't value the Word that I'm giving you, that's why I love preaching stuff when I get fresh revelation, like what I had earlier. Just got that this week, and I value it so much I can't wait to get it to you. But when, I, when the word is of no value to me, and now I'm just giving you stuff that I don't really even care. That's dangerous. So none of us are void of this. None of, this, none of us are uh, outside the box of ever becoming familiar. So we have to be careful of this. Second Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4, and we'll start with verse, verse 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Paul is talking to Timothy. He's raising him up for ministry. He's, that's what he's telling him to do. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove. Rebuke. A lot of people don't like that. That's the role of the pastor. (laughs) Rebuke. Exhort. There's a good one. We like that one, right? Exhort with great patience and instruction. Verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. He's letting them know this will happen. They will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers. Look at this. In accordance to their own desires. Well, they're still giving themselves to teaching. I mean, they're still hearing the word. Yeah, they're only listening to people that feed their problems and feed their mentalities and feed their lifestyles so that they can justify the way that they're living. Okay? And they will turn away their what? Their ears from the truth. The truth is what sets you free. Which means anything else locks you up. And will turn aside to myths. This is dangerous. This is why we have to, be, we have to stay hearers of the word. Faith comes by hearing. If you're lacking in faith in your life, we're probably lacking the word in our life. Just bottom. And I don't mean lacking as in, you know, we've, we're not giving ourselves. It means we just need to get more in that arena. If it's a finance thing that we're uh, dealing with, then we need to get in the Word and find out what the Word says about our finances and what the Word says about our provision and our wealth as believers. If it's a health issue, then we need to get in the Word and surround ourselves with healing scriptures and and what does God say, what does the Bible say about our healing. If it's fear, then we need to get in the Bible and what does the Word say about anxiety and worry. What does it say about fear? Because perfect love casts out all fear. He's not a God of fear. Okay, so that's why hearing the word is so important. It keeps you in the position that you need to be in to live this lifestyle. So that's the first step. And to stay away uh, from being, uh, becoming dull of hearing or, um, you know, just having itching ears is what the New King James says. Having itching ears, meaning that you just want to hear something new that just, uh, that is, um, like the word said, they accumulate teachers that only feed their myths and where they're off to justify their lifestyles. We have to stay away from this. So the second point that we want to make, first we need to hear the word. The second step in the process of mind renewal is understanding the word. 
And this is where a lot of people find themselves getting stuck sometimes, is understanding the word. The word can't be understood. The word uh, is too complicated. I don't understand what it means. I don't understand what it says. I hope that I have been able to simplify the word. I think that a lot of pastors um, and a lot of ministers have kind of run over into a side where they've over-spiritualized the word. And I hope I'm able to simplify the word and break it down for you because it is understandable. It ought to be understood. In fact, if you don't understand it, that's where the danger comes in. And that's where the enemy comes in. Let's go ahead and look at that. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. 13, verse 19. This is where the danger comes in, is understanding it. Now that we've heard it, that's not good enough. Because you need to understand it. There needs to be some understanding. And I don't mean understanding in your mind. I mean understanding in your spirit. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, this is Matthew 13. We're still talking about the parable of the sower. This is Jesus explaining it to his disciples. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, not just any word, the word of the kingdom. Look what happens. And does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The word is at the enemy is after the word. We got to get this thing out of our minds that the enemy's after us. The enemy's attacking us. The enemy's beating me down. He don't care nothing about you because if he can get the word out of you, you are no threat to him. If he can get the word out of you and keep you from really understanding it and seeing it for what it is, you're no threat. You'll actually do his work for him, and he won't even have to work on you. Because if you don't know what the Bible says about your healing, then the, the sickness or the disease or whatever it is will run its course in your body, and he won't have to do nothing. You're... You are defenseless without the word. You are completely defenseless without the word. It says here that when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, he comes to snatch it away. The evil one, the enemy, is coming to take the word away, what has been sown. Right now, I am sowing word. I am sowing God's word. If you do not understand, if you do not study out and you do not grasp a hold of what I'm giving you right now, the enemy will come to steal it. That's the number one thing that he's after is the word of God in your life. Okay? I said last week when we were talking about healing that the reason healing is so important is because you are needed to carry the message of the kingdom to this world. If you are dead... Not only are you taken out, but the message that you carry is taken out. That's why the enemy is after your health. Because he can get you, if he can get you out, he gets away, he takes out your influence. All those people you could potentially talk to about the kingdom. All those people you could invite to church. All those people you have influence on. He's just taking you out of the earth. So now you are no longer there to carry the gospel. But just as, it is, just as important as it is for the enemy to take you out, it's as important for God to keep you in. Because God's not coming down here sharing the gospel with people in their bedrooms and in their living rooms. You know how he's getting the kingdom message out? You. You know how he's getting the word of the kingdom out? You. You are God's ambassadors in the earth. We all are. So this is why is it important for us to take our position in knowing the word. Well, we have to understand the word. Last week, um, or no, was it, it was the week before, when I was talking about the importance of the word um, in mind renewal. And why is the word so important? And it's because that's what we are renewing our mind to, is the word of God. And I talked about light and darkness. Remember that? 
And I said, anywhere in the Bible that you see light and darkness, light means knowledge, and darkness means ignorance. The enemy rules and uh, roams around in darkness, which means anything you don't know, he's ruling in. What you don't know, what you decide to not learn about, what you decide to not get knowledge in, what you decide and choose, what I choose and uh, decide not to preach to you is where the enemy's going to attack you. That's why I said I preach the full counsel of the word. I don't hold nothing back because I'm going to be held responsible for that. And I don't want to be held responsible for that. So I desire to learn the word in every area of my life. And I desire to preach the word in every area of your life. So understanding is a gaining of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, for a lack of knowing, for a lack of understanding what's being said. Not for a lack of going to church, not for a lack of preaching and teaching. It's a lack of understanding. I can stand up here and preach and teach all I want, but if you don't understand what I'm saying, then you're not going to get anywhere. Your level of victory in life is greatly determined by your level of knowledge. And you can't walk in anything that you haven't first been revealed. You can't walk in healing if you don't know that God is your healer. You can't walk in prosperity if if you don't know that God is your provider. You can't walk in perpetual uh, peace if you don't know that God's love cast out all fear. You can't walk in these things. If you don't understand them, if they're not revealed to you by the Spirit. Okay? So, but we have someone working on our behalf. We have someone working on our behalf. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. If there's any of us here that struggle with understanding the Scripture or, un, or str- uh, struggle with understanding the Bible, um, I'm not going to be one that's real quick to point you to tools. There are a ton of tools. I use all kinds of tools in studying the Scripture. There's so much out there now um, to reveal things to you and, and show you what different things mean in the Bible that there really is no excuse. If you truly desire to be a study of Word, there's so much available on the internet, and so many applications, and, um, you know, I, I've got stuff on my phone that can pretty much just show me anything I, I need or want to know in the Bible. And you've got to be careful with tools, because tools are a resource, not the source. They're a supplement. You know, uh, when, I, when I work out, I take a lot of supplements. Not a lot, but I take a few. But I don't quit my natural diet. I mean, I'd kill myself if I just lived off of protein shakes. If that's all I, if that's all I did, uh, more, uh, morning, afternoon, and night, and I'm over here starving away, why? Because I'm trying to live off of a supplement. No, we need to stay in the Word. That's our diet. These other things can supplement your life. And you also got to be careful with tools um, that they always point back to the Word. You know, sometimes we make a, a big deal about authors and make a big deal um, about, you know, teachers of the word that are out there and other ministers. But, man, if they, if they ever get off from the word, then they're not worth listening to, or at least what that, what that said. I don't change my stance on the word because of what I hear from a person. I change my stance on a person based upon what I know from the word. Okay? I, there's no problem with listening to the ministers. Those people are led by God. There's people that I listen to. But there's no one, no one, not even Pastor Earl himself, that is in my life uh, so strong that if he says something and it doesn't line up with the word, that I take that over the word. Okay? But that's why I'm very careful about the, the voices that I, that I allow in my life, and I keep a very small channel. I don't go around seeking all kinds of people that are preaching the word. I, I, there's a very small sphere. There's, I could probably count them on one hand of people that I listen to on a regular basis, and there's other people out there that I know of that I don't listen to on a regular basis, but um, you know, I, I keep that very, very small, and it always goes back to the Word every time. So understanding the Word. Understanding the Word is key because we just saw that it's the person that didn't understand, not the ones that didn't hear. 
Because every one of them heard. I just pointed out to you that all four of them, all four different types of soil, heard the word. We need to understand the word. Look down in verse 23. I just told you that it was one out of four that bore fruit. It was one out of four um, that understood. Did I take you to 1 Corinthians already? Let's stick with uh, 23 real quick because I'm going to prove that out and then we'll go there. Matthew 13, 23. As for what was sown, um, let me read it out of your version first. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil. Here it is. This is the man who hears the word and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, sixty, and thirty. So there's your one out of four. There's the common denominator. There's the thing that's missing. One of these things is not like the other, right? Here it is. This is the one who heard the word and understood it. And understood it. That's the one who indeed bears fruit. Now, can we understand the word? Yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You know, it's funny that when Jesus left, he made this statement to his disciples in John. He said, I'm going to go to the Father, but it is to your advantage that I leave. That's a funny statement. You've got to think about this. They have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on the earth with them. And he says, it's better for me that I go. How in the world? I mean, a lot of us think, man, if Jesus was here right now, it's better now. Sounds like a hard statement, but Jesus said it himself. It's to your advantage. Why? Because of who he left us with. Let me tell you something right now. You are not in this thing alone. If we were meant to do it by ourselves, then Jesus wouldn't have sent anybody to come alongside us. You are not in this thing alone. You are not meant to do this thing alone. Jesus took what he did on this earth, who he was on this earth, the things he was capable of doing on this earth, left and put it inside of you. So now we have a bunch of Jesuses running around on the earth. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that you are Jesus in the sense that you could do everything he did because he did something nobody can and that was die on the cross for the remission of everyone's sins. But Jesus did not do the miracles and do the signs and wonders and, and show the authority and dominion he had in the earth to say, ha ha, look what I can do, see you later. He passed that on by a person, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to live in us. This is one of the things of the Holy Spirit right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But a natural man, me and you, does not accept, understand, the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. How many of you have ever read the Bible and it seemed like foolishness? You can put your hand up. I've got my hand up all by myself up here. And he cannot understand. There it is. He cannot understand. You can't understand it. He's just going ahead and put it out there. Don't try to do it. You can't do it. Why? Because they are spiritually appraised. Spiritually appraised. Look at this. In, uh, I'm going to read this to you in the Amplified. It's not on the screen, so just listen. But the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, meaningless nonsense, as foolishness to him. He is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with, because they are spiritually discerned, estimated, and appreciated. The Word of God is spiritually discerned. It is only understood by the Spirit of God. Well, guess what? You have that Spirit living inside of you. He will reveal things to you. 
the four roles of the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you into all truth, to show you things to come, bring things to your remembrance. And there's one more. It's not coming to me right now. But over in John, Jesus laid out the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. And one of those is to guide you into all truth. You want to know truth? Let the Holy Spirit show you. How does that happen? Let's look. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm trying to, or Ephesians chapter 1. I'm trying to get through this as quickly as I can. I got one more point to make. But I need you to understand uh, what it means to understand the Word. We need to see this. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. There's the eyes we're talking about. I'm not talking about your natural eyes. I mean, if it was that simple, I would tell you all to close your eyes and then open them back up and you would understand what I'm saying. But we need to pray that the eyes of our heart be enlightened. So we will know what is the hope of his calling, where are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. How do you understand? Ask the Holy Spirit. Pray. It's his job description. Look, if the Holy Spirit is not revealing the word to you, then he is a failure at his job. And he ought to be fired. But I don't think that's the case. The Holy Spirit will do his job. And his job is to reveal the word to you. Jesus called him the spirit of truth. Well, what's the truth? The word of God. And the truth is what will set you free. Understanding the truth is possible. But you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own mentality. We just saw that for natural people, it cannot be discerned. You cannot understand it. Naturally speaking, it is not possible. You are incapable But the word can be discerned, understood, estimated, uh, um, accounted for in your spirit by the Holy Spirit. That's his job. So you can understand the word. You can understand it. That word enlighten means to illuminate or to make you see. So there's the light coming on. We talked about light being knowledge. It helps you gain knowledge. If you're not illuminated, then you're still in darkness. Okay? It requires the Spirit of God. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. And as a believer, you have the, God, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. This Holy Spirit is living in you. Okay? Third point. Last point that I want to make this evening. We're talking about the process of mind renewal. How do we renew the mind? It's not an event. It's a process. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Verse 24. Mark 4, 24. And he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. By the standard of measure, by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And more will be given to you, will be given you besides. What's he saying here? Watch what you're hearing. And the amount of hearing that you give is what you receive back. The law of sowing and reaping is a law that God put into place from the beginning of time. And when I say the law of sowing and reaping, I'm not just talking about your finances. I'm not just talking about tithes and offerings. When I say the law of sowing and reaping, one, it's a law. It's just like gravity. It's going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. If I throw something up in the air, it's coming down. Period. That's a law. So the law of sowing and reaping is whatever you sow, you will reap. Very simple. Let me read this verse to you in the Amplified. Again, it's not up on the screen, so uh, just listen. Mark chapter 4, verse 24 says, And he said to them, Be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear 
will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. Let me say that last part again. The measure of thought and study. To what? To what you hear. That's why it doesn't stop with you walking out the door and saying, Yep, I went to church. I heard the pastor preach. It doesn't say the measure of what you hear. It says the measure of thought and study. To the truth you hear. Will be the measure of knowledge that comes back to you. You want to know why a lot of people aren't gaining a lot of knowledge in the scripture? Because they're not giving themselves to thought and study. What's that word thought? That's that word meditate. Remember we looked at that, I think, in the first week of the importance of meditating on God's word. And Joshua, uh, God told Joshua to meditate on the law day and night. I don't mean 24 hours around the clock, but it should always be running in our minds. It should always be uh, consumed in our minds. And that we should be applying ourselves to study of the scripture. This is the difference between them and us that Jesus was identifying. He's looking for people who is going to pay the price. Who is going to sacrifice to understand and know the scriptures. It's amazing that he told that parable. And then right in his group. He identified who the one out of four was. Because he told the parable to a ton of people. Thousands of people. And then he turns around. And his disciples ask him. Now how come you don't explain it to them? And the very parable he just gave. Explains why he didn't explain it to them. Some out there it's falling on wayside. They're hearing it, but they're not understanding it, and the evil one is coming and taking it away. Some out there, it's fallen on the ground, but it's not taking root. It's not really sitting in them. They came here, but are walking away and thinking about the football game. The third one is being choked up by thorns. Meaning they came, they heard it, they were even excited about it. They were even excited about it. The, the, the word said there that the ones that fell on thorns, they received it with joy. Went away. I mean, you could go away, drive home in your car and say, man, that was, man, what a good word. That was exciting. I, I, that's so awesome. What a good word. And then what happened? The cares of the world. Next morning they got to work and got some bad news. Care of the world got home and saw that bill that came in the mail that they can't pay, cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches. Oh, man, you know, if, if, I, uh, man, if I have to go to church on Sunday, that means I'm going to have to miss doing this. Or I could go on Sunday morning, but Sunday night, you know, I mean, the football games are coming on. and Come on, we're getting real now. We're getting real now. Deceitfulness of riches. Cares of the world came in. And what? Choked out the word. But the last one. The good soil. The good soil was those who heard the word, put thought, meditation, and study to the word, applied the word, and understood the word. These are the ones that bore fruit. How many want to bear fruit here? How many of us want the mind renewal process to take full effect? Not just I heard it. Not just I heard it and was excited about it. Not just I heard it and I made it a week, but now I'm draining. Let's hear the word. Let's get excited about it. Let's apply the word. Let's give thought and study meditation to the word. Let's hear the word over and over. That that verse, um, hearing comes by the word. Uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word, that, that actually denotes hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing by the word of God. One time ain't good enough. One time ain't good enough. Okay? So I believe we got a room full of people here tonight that are excited about the mind renewal process taking place in our minds, and we're going to bear fruit in our lives. 
fruit that's going to cause people to ask us, what are you doing? What church are you going to? Why are you so excited? Why can you be so peaceful in a time like this? I mean, why, why are all these things happening to you? That's fruit. Man, I mean, I don't have to put a sign on an apple tree that says apple tree. It has its own sign that's got a bunch of apples hanging off of it. There ain't no one walking up to it and saying, man, I don't know what kind of tree that is. Right? Sounds funny, but that that's what we got to do. We got we got a bunch of people walking around saying, I'm a Christian. And they're saying, are you sure? Your fruit looks different. Your fruit... Your fruit's kind of dried up a little bit. It's, you're, a, you're a fruit loop. Uh, I, I call them, we had a pastor down in St. Augustine, he calls them cereal Christians, a bunch of nuts, fruits, and flakes. Okay? We ain't got no cereals in here. We got people that are going to bear true fruit of the Word of God. There's no guessing game. There's no second guessing. There's no, I don't know. I mean, people are going to come to you saying, I already know you're a Christian. Tell me about what you've got. And they're going to be picking that fruit. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you for this Word. I thank you that you...